On a lighter side of things, what do you do for fun? I mean, what's your favorite place to go to in, in Providence? Uh, well, my favorite place to go to is a Catholic church. I'm a Catholic. But I want to say that um, I write songs for fun, and I could play a song for you really quick. And this is a song that I've written. Okay? I, I try to have my guitar sing, but they wouldn't let me come in, so... To the rich man who stands in his house high upon the hill, appreciate you uh, coming in and uh, serenading me this morning. I didn't realize Next that time you were... our guitarist could come in. That I, would be great. That would be great. I, I, have I didn't realize that He's you were right such a... right out in the lobby if you want to have him in. Well, that's really nice of you. I'm afraid we're out of time. Woof. Wow. That almost sounds like a prank where someone pretends they're being yes. a candidate. Yeah. Like, how did he expect that to pay off? <laughs> I don't know. You're really forcing her to sit through something she's not enjoying. Okay. This was September 9th, 2010. Host of a U.S. chat spot. Got a little more she bargained for when she was interviewed. She was interviewing local mayoral candidate in Rhode Island, I believe. Chris Young is the guy's name. Uh, this is, I feel, I like, I, I don't want to feel like an old man when I say this, but like, that's when telling children that they're talented and special goes wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, at some point, you have to be... At some point, I was reading a parenting book one time where they were like, if you overly praise your children, they'll know when you're lying. Mm -hmm. Like, if you tell them, like, oh, you did a great job flying that kite, but the kite fell to the ground, they're going to be like, I know I didn't do a great job. Why are they telling me that? Right, right. Yeah, and I also think, like, he's, he says he's a religious man, so I mm -hmm. think, like, it's hard. I always had the idea for a prank like that mm -hmm. to go into Evening at the Apollo mm -hmm. And sing like a religious song, but really terribly. Because <laughs> you know you wouldn't get booed. So you'd go right. And, and I think there's a certain reverence for like, yes. not that that was a religious song, but I think he teed it up in a way. And so I was like, going, oh, my favorite place to go is the Catholic church. So I was church. flashing backwards. Like he probably sang his whole life in, in like praising songs or like religious yes. songs. So he's yes. like a good boy and like. That's right. You should keep singing. Like you there should. is no wrong way to sing to the Lord. Yeah, exactly. So maybe he was never criti cr critically approached because he stayed in the vein of like yeah, hope and faith songs. Yes, you know. But wouldn't that prank work at the Apollo? I think it would work. Anyway. You would not get booed. Like you know how they no, boo people no, no. off. But I mean, if you were ter if you were like that guy and you had a tape recorder, let's say, and you sang a Christian song. But let's say worse than that guy. Do you think they would tolerate or you think they would boo you? I think they would boo I think they, they would, would boo me. You off. They would. Ultimately, if you were bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You're probably right. It's like, probably right. like Philly fans throwing batteries at Santa Claus or whatever. Like at some point. They wouldn't tolerate it. Yeah. They just wouldn't tolerate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Second in Command, a Veep rewatch. We've been doing this for a while now and I forgot the it's name the of It's the number one Veep podcast on the internet the number one far. veep rewatch podcast the number i would say the number one veep podcast probably i just don't want to i just don't want to go to the mat for that because i haven't done any research who else is spending their time doing a veep podcast i don't know it'd be really nobody funny. yeah nobody 
Uh, the Outsiders this is a, a Insiders. Questionably accurate podcast from The Outsiders Insiders. My name is Timothy Simons. I played Jonah Ryan. I'm Matt Walsh. I played Mike McClintock. Uh, and today we are looking back at season three, episode eight, uh, Debate. Uh, and stay tuned because we have the hilarious Jessica St. Clair, who played Dana. Oh, she's uh, so funny. Dana, Dana, what was Dana's last name on the show? I don't know. I know she sold uh, uh, Reggiano Pecorino. Pecorino. Pecorino cheese. Um, she's going to be on a little bit later. She's great and very funny. And she's uh, she's brassy. Oh, she's a force of nature. She's yes. wonderfully talented. I want to call out while... Uh, wonderfully talented. While uh, Arvin is... is uh, Googling, Searching last name of Searching Dana. last name. Uh, he's Googling. Um, <laughs> Jessica St. Clair v. Dana, last name. That he made us these nice little coffee oh, mugs yeah. that say second in command. And then they have our little picture on the back. Yeah. That is really nice. nice. Feels like he's trying to make up maybe for some lost time during uh during the musical that he was in. Or he's gonna about to he's about to ask for like a five week vacation. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the move. I'm holding this up for anybody who gets on the YouTube and watches mm -hmm. this. Oh yeah. If you're not if you're watching it's a this black podcast. if you're not, it's a black mug, second in command, and then our uh I guess that's a cameo, isn't that? That circle with a... Yeah, that would be a cameo. With uh, me with a George Washington wig. And let me see your wig. Similarly, yeah. Similar. Yeah, I would say, well, I mean, like, is a, does a cameo... Does a cameo refer to the style, the actual style of the, the picture? Or does it actually refer to the physical piece of, like, carved ivory or whatever? I can't answer that. Those you got a too. lot of Googling to do, Arvin. I know cameos are what celebrities do when they're down on their luck or they need money. <laughs> not carve things out of ivory, but uh, <laughs> wish people happy birthdays. I've done that. I, I'm not shaming anyone. <laughs> I've done that. For I a always brief find moment. it a little bit weird. Sometimes I find it a little bit weird. It when... is strange, but you know, you do it anyways. And I just did it during the pandemic because. You just want to feel like you're doing something. Yeah. So, like this podcast yeah. came out of that urge. Like, what can we do? Because nobody was doing anything. Yeah. And you just want to like, and you have a family. So you're like, how can I just work a little bit? Because mm -hmm. who knows what the work. So you get a sense of control and agency when, you, when you're creating a cameo, actually. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, as far as the self is. And honestly, I did enjoy it because you get in. Like my mom's turning 81. She loves Mike McClintock or she loves... The hangover, whatever. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like she'll, and then you get background. So then you can be funny with that background information and you can wish them a sincere, happy 81st birthday. Here's, I, I here's a, well, I mean, like, I, it kind of makes sense why we would do it. Yeah. Because we still need to like have jobs. We, but like yeah. the people that like don't need to, like, and the only reason I'm saying this is because, and I love being an actor and I love showing up on set, but being on set kind of sucks. Like it kind of sucks, even if it's just for a day. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Because, I don't know, you got to, like, wake up. Your call's going to be early. But you got to work anyways, Tim. What are, you, what are you talking about? I probably had that day off. In the you world of up. jobs, yeah. why does it suck to be on... Or you tell me why it sucks to be... I won't You got to, like, you got to gotta get up in the morning. You mm -hmm. got to, like, you know, read. You got to gotta talk to the ADs. You got to schedule a costume fitting. You got to do a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. You just got to do, it's always, it's not, it's never just show up, do this fun thing and then leave. You got to have days of prep. You got to have hair and makeup meetings. You got to have tests. You got to do costume fittings. 
Then you got to get in touch with the ADs who can tell you call times. Then you got to drive out there. And then you got to park at base camp. And then you got to check in. And they always call you out there a few hours too early. To hold you. It's like, you know, to say just in case we need you, what if we switch scenes around? Mm -hmm. Whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's, I mean, like, it sucks. It sucks to be on. And then, like, the day always goes long. You know, and then they got to do different setups. I'm just saying, like, it sucks. So if you don't need to do that for money... I don't even know what to say to that. The only <laughs> job I can see, if I take you at face value, because I know uh -huh. you're half kidding, is that podcast world is, is the dream gig because we don't do any prep. No. We show up, and while we're here, we're working and recording, and when mm -hmm. we leave, we don't think about it. And there's no prep or makeup or, like, they don't get us two hours early. So yeah. you need to find a lucrative podcast deal mm -hmm. to have your dream job is what I, I think. Here's the thing. It kind of feels like we are <laughs> doubling down on this bit. Kind of feels like we should be prepping. <laughs> I don't think so. I've gotten, although they're very anecdotal and only people I already know, there's some strong passion for our podcast. No, absolutely. There is. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. always like it when we provide information and we don't mm -hmm. rely on just filling air like... Having someone who was an editor or a director yes. or an actor we haven't had on before or like mm -hmm. a Jessica St. Clair, like that's great insight into something that we didn't observe. We were just focused on our lines and our monologues. Yeah. We didn't see what they saw. So I think we're providing great, uh, you know, nuance mm -hmm. to the to the production that was Veep. Okay, cool. No, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think you're wrong. I'm not okay. trying to, I, yeah, I really, I, I, it's great that you're here. Oh my God. <laughs> What do you need, Tim? Do you need a ride home? Are you going to leave your Tesla down the street at the mechanic? Your second Tesla. Tim has two Teslas for the for I have our listeners. two Teslas. Because sometimes I feel like driving a black Tesla and sometimes I feel like driving a dark blue Tesla. You know what I mean? It just depends on my mood. You know what? I, ha I drive an electric car. I drive yeah. a Kia. And I feel so superior to people who drive a Tesla because I, I, I look at them, they're like, you paid 75 grand for that car. Yeah. I paid like, 32 for mine. Yeah. And I own that. And I'm so like, go ahead, man. And you know what? I, go I, ahead, man. I got my Kia Nero and I am <laughs> rolling safely and plugging in for 275 miles. I'm not saying that's right because it's uh, putting people in a big category. But I, I don't disagree. And I don't want to get like too topical because it's not because I felt it's this so topical. Boy, it's ripped from the headlines. This well, conversation. No, Elon, Elon Musk kind of sucks. Oh, him, sure. Right. So I honestly but I, separate from him. Like he created him, the I, boutique electric car industry in the yeah. Yes, you're right. Okay. So do you think people think they're Elon Musk when they buy his car? Like is is his aspirational lifestyle the reason they bought it? I think they bought it because it's like the best electric car yes, out there. See, yeah, still. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not saying like they're they're people thinking they're Elon Musk when they got get in that car, but he is uh, he is a nightmare. I don't, I just don't, I, I guess I just don't want to fully, I'm just not fully on board and I don't want to like, part of me doesn't want to get it. I'd love to have an electric car. I just kind of don't want to get one if it's his. Oh, that's your other take. Sure. That's my, that's my other little take there. Sure. And uh, a lot of, I, our producer is, our, you're Korean, right, Arvin? I am. I love Korean stuff. I love the donuts you gave me. I love the cars. Uh, so I'm on, you know, I'm full board on that. It'd be funny if you were like, not a fan. 
Arvin, you're North you're, Korea, you're Korean, right? North Korea, not a fan. Not a fan. North obviously. Korea, not a fan. Obviously. Um, this episode, <laughs> Matt's also like South Korea, not a fan. <laughs> Gotta be honest, not a fan. <laughs> Have you been to South Korea, Arvin? When I was 10. You How lived there till you were 10 or you visited? No, I just visited. How was it? It was amazing from what I can remember. Oh, I bet you're... How long were you there? Like two weeks. Family? Yeah. All where... my extended families. Is it uh, outside of a big city or where is it? I, it's all spread out. Some countryside, some in the city. You know, it's a small country, so people yeah. are pretty widespread. Did they poke fun at you for, like, losing your Korean roots? Like, oh, you American, you're so… I, I mean, I was 10, so I think they were… <laughs> kind. Probably, they were kind. Know, nicer to <laughs> They were Armin's kind. Armin's just like, all I remember from my family vacation to Korea was everybody dunking on me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could… Yeah, I'm Kore imagining. Koreans are infamous for commenting on your weight and looks and all of that. So, I, I do oh. remember that. Really? You feel they feel uh, licensed to comment as if it's public domain or whatever. Oh yeah, that's like yeah. the greeting. That's like, oh, you got fat. Is equivalent to <laughs> really. Hello. I feel like my mom oh, is yeah. my mother is Korean a little bit. <laughs> she has Korean. <laughs> she has no filter sometimes. When I brought Morgan in to meet my mother, because you know I loved Morgan, I'm like she should meet mom. My mom's first thing is like. Oh, she's a blonde. I didn't know she was a blonde. <laughs> you never dated a blonde before. Something like that. I'm like, oh my God. Mom. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, um, we're obviously talking about season three, episode eight, Debate, which is written by David Quantic and Tony Roach, directed by Armando Iannucci. Good episode. Partly directed by Armando Iannucci. Okay. Because the uh, the the reactions to the debate were directed by uh, Chris Addison. I feel like we had yeah. this, yes. We had this conversation, yeah. And this conversation with Addison because I kept inviting him on to, to be on the debate episode. And he was like, uh, don't forget, I didn't actually direct that one. He just directed the last day. Okay. Which was when we were, I think it was our last day of filming season three. Okay. Which was, I might be wrong about this, but he directed the day where we were all in that room. And we just like pretended to see something yes. and they said, Improvise or yes. say this line, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the synopsis is this. Yeah. Episode eight. The staff prepares for the debate between Selena and her rivals. Oh, Some off. candidates prove more nefarious than their appearance, while others crack under pressure. Dan returns to the office after his panic attack, and Gary inadvertently tells Wendy that Ray collaborated with Selena to make decisions. I just want to say, uh, Reed, Reed looks fucking great when he comes back in from with the beard with the beard and his hair like a little off i had i had forgotten that there was like this for this one episode we had like a new dan you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i forgot forgot that we had this new dan and he is so fucking handsome when he comes in with that beard you Can like that look I just think, I mean, for Reed specifically, I think it works really right. well. This is not going to solve it because it's asking me Alice's office. Right. Well, that's your back button right there. That's the that's the menu button. That's just, the menu button. Just you hit, hit that, that once. Just hit that once. Just and hit that once. And that'll eliminate the skip. It'll eliminate the skip and you get to watch all the way through. Well, I did notice Wait, so that so you his, didn't see my little moment at the end of this? No. I you really can, we can it. talk about it. Okay. I'm sure it was amazing. Uh, that was the, I did like the untossled. I like Dan with, or Reed with untossled hair. The beard, I don't like him with a beard. I don't find that handsome. I don't find Reed with a beard handsome. Why not? Because it's not my, like, 
It doesn't strike me as handsome. Okay. I don't know. Just like a gut reaction, emotional reaction. Like, I don't know. It's too dark and it's not my jam for him. Okay. If I was his stylist, you would not. I would say shave the beard, keep the unkempt top. Love you like that. the unkempt top. Love the unkempt top. Yeah. I don't know. I think the whole package worked. When he walks in, just goddamn, look at this guy. Yeah, just he's so a good handsome. Looking. He's yeah, relaxed, yeah. but he also had like a relaxed demeanor. And so maybe I'm maybe I'm responding to the relaxed demeanor. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh I agree. And he's had some nice arc in this this episode or this yes, season so this far season. yeah and amy now is the uh campaign manager mm -hmm. so we start out it's everybody just doing debate prep there the, look up jackson's name like the, the young man who oh uh, yeah uh plays jackson in episode eight he's good that's a new character so i remember this is you remember how we were talking about how simon will just like simon will have this one he'll pitch you like the you one sentence that, yeah. idea I remember him talking about so Andrew Leeds. Andrew Leeds. Yeah, he's great. He probably a New York actor. Uh, no, he's out of he's, he's out, out of, of LA. Uh, Los Angeles. He's a groundling. Ooh. Oh, I didn't he's know a groundling. That. I should yeah. know these things. Um so Andrew Leeds, very nice and very funny, yeah. comes in. And I just remember all I was told from Simon was he's like gonna be a new read. He's like a replacement Dan. Mm-hmm. And so I just assumed that the character was going to be written sharky and like it was truly going to be a replacement Dan. And it wasn't until watching this episode, like I just kept, every time I saw it, I was like, it's so weird. Like what went wrong with this character that it didn't match what the initial thought was? And then just today I was like, wait a minute. It was never intended to be an actual replacement Dan. It was never intended to be like a competent on right. top of it, sharky, you know, sort of Machiavellian character. It was right. supposed to be a, a, like a a guy who pitches bad jokes and and has doesn't have a lot of confidence. That so, like a replacement Dan, like in the way that Cliff was a replacement Sue. They yes. were, they couldn't be as good. They couldn't be as, as designed. Good. They couldn't be as good. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think that because Simon just always gave me that one. It feels like I'm criticizing Simon. That's not what I'm. Well, he created an expectation like, oh, there's going to be a whole like Dan, uh, dig into the Dan persona here. Yeah. But it's more the title of whatever. Because Dan, when he's not campaign manager, seemingly is always obsessed with speeches, like with Mike. Uh -huh. And he's always like digging in and yeah. very much about that. So uh, Andrew or uh, Jackson in this episode is very much about that. But I also, I wonder if maybe that's the thing, like... This is skipping ahead to season two, episode one. But every once in a while, we have... Season two is behind this. Season four, episode one. Go ahead. Okay. So this is skipping behind us to <laughs> season four, four episode, episode one. one. And where... In the upside down. There is, there is a... Sometimes there is a tendency, uh, like, and, and it's an intended thing from, from Armando to set up a joke that does feel in a way kind of sitcom-y or uh, like uh, uh, the the season four episode one example would be when she keeps coming back into the room and you guys keep having to stand up. Yeah. But you then play away from the joke. Like it's never really hit very hard, so it's happening, but it's not like a, a sort of Benny Youngman thing, you know, or like mm -hmm. Benny Youngman isn't the right word. Henny Youngman. Henny Young. Benny Goodman was a big band leader, and <laughs> Henny Youngman was a Borscht Belt stand-up comic. But I know, I know who you meant. 
It's not a Henny Youngman. You want to hammer it. Well, that's kind of... So, but I mean, I guess maybe that's why... Maybe because, like, I was told that and then I just assumed that that joke would be sort of hammered and it's not really hammered. And it's... I, I ended up... That whole storyline really worked for me uh, re-watching it because I wasn't hamstrung with this... Like you a let pre, go of like your a, preconceptions. I let go of my preconceptions and I really liked what was happening. It's... Well, that just speaks more to the human mind and, and your, your sort of... Uh, the way you had a context in which to weigh the view that character in this episode. It's like mm -hmm. if you see a trailer for a movie and then you go see, and it, you, it creates this expectation and then the movie is nothing like the trailer. You're like, that's not a good movie. Or yeah. if as an actor, you're like, oh, that douchebag got that part. Why am mm -hmm. I not in this movie? Yeah. And then you can't ever watch a movie. But when you stumble into the movie, you're like, you know what? He's really good in yeah, that movie. You know really what I mean? It, yeah. So it's those preconceived moments in our mind that create a barrier, but I, uh, and I blame Simon. Like he needs to come on the show and defend his yeah. like glib. Like, ah, it's, he's the new read, Tim. Just sit down and have some uh, meat and cheeses. I stopped watching movie trailers for that reason. All the time? Yeah, as much as I, I can. I don't really, yeah. I, I, like, I like going in blind. I think that's such a better idea. Yeah. And to that end, related to Baltimore, that's why I love living above a $3 or a, a movie theater. Mm -hmm. It's like, I could see something I never would have, like, yeah. expected to see. I'm like, what's playing it for? I'll see Ender's Game. I loved Ender's Game. Yeah. I, ne I never would have saw that movie. No. Like, so it's great to not have expectation. I agree. But Kevin does an impression of Pierce here. Yeah. <laughs> and he squinches his eyes. He's, like, doing this. He, like, sticks out his teeth. Kevin Dunn is such a fucking goofball when he wants to be. He's yeah. such a serious dude. He's yeah. such a serious dude all the time. And Ben is such a serious character. And then every once in a while, he just pulls out this fucking goofball shit that's so great. Yeah, he can be so immature. He's really funny in that. Kent says some, get, has to defend his voice. Uh, he gets kind of annoyed that somebody has called out his voice. Like, you know, uh, he's like, I've only ever spoken with oh, this voice. Oh, he's impersonating uh, Pierce or someone. This yeah. is the only voice I've ever spoken in. Even as a young child. Yeah. Uh, again, you can hang anything on Kent. Um, here's the thing that I noticed in a Mike is good at his job kind of way. When she, there's this big long lead up to her coming in with the hair. Yeah. When she comes around the corner, when Selena comes around the corner with like this bad, like haircut, this bad haircut, there is like a sort of, there's a stunned silence in the room, of course, but Mike In has, the background. You're kind of yeah. like doing some Because I want clapping. her to feel good. Yes. I want them to like, guys. Yeah. This is... He's this... good at character. He has that Gary-like sensitivity to like, we got to make sure Selena feels pretty. We got to make sure she's mm -hmm. in a good mood. Because she's, like she's like a circus animal that has to perform. And we have to have her in the right moment. Because we don't want her like attacking Siegfried and Roy on stage. Or we don't want her going after us. You know what I mean? So we really have to wrangle her in the best way. In this episode, I feel like... She's really unwound. So, like, yeah. Dan got unwound in London, and he's back, and he's a completely... He bumps in there and goes, excuse me, buddy. That's excuse, so funny. Excuse me, buddy. That's so funny. And uh, and but, then I think Selena comes in unwound because it's almost like when somebody, a friend of yours, might, like, shave their head, and they haven't called anyone, and now they're moving. Like, that's, like, three choices in life that, like, you're depressed. There's something yeah. going on. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Selena's cutting her hair. Uh -huh. Her eye is twitching. Yep. And the way that instantly we're all handling her, like Mike's like this, and 
Amy's like, yeah, it's like the haircut your your head always your wanted. Your head always wanted. She's like babying her mm -hmm. to her face. And Selena's obviously super smart, but everyone's kind of like babying her. So she's a very like, she's getting ready to spiral out almost here, I feel like. I, that's a good point. I, yeah. hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, there's too many things going on. You know, so, Walsh? Yeah, I'm, are you glad I'm here? I'm really glad you're here. I would have never thought about it that way. My navy blue Tesla broke down and is down the street. If I could just get like, you don't have to bring me all the way to my I house. I can run just, you down. It's only like close, three, yeah. Just close enough to my house that like it would be like a more like is it an the inexpensive. X, the Uber. Model Three. What? Which one is it? I, the S model. Oh, I just, I just sedan when or I like SUV kind of. No SUV because when I walked in, I was just like whichever the most expensive one is, and I want. I'm two the same of them. way with Tesla. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like just give me, just give me the best one. Yeah. I. I, I like that. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of Andrew when they're like reading the emails on uh, on the the uh, first response episode. Mm -hmm. And Pasquese is just kind of there smiling like nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. That if you just keep that sort of clapping smile on your face, like that's how you've, that's how you've survived, survived yeah. for so long. By keeping a positive face, by never being like, you're never going to be the one to tell their friend who broke up with their girlfriend that like, man, she wasn't right for you because then when they get back together, you're going to be, you know what I mean? Like yeah. Mike was the guy that always put the positive spin or was never, he was inoffensive about everything and was able to just dodge every bullet. Yeah. And I feel like I saw that a lot in that moment. I hope Stephen Colbert is listening to this episode because he's not sold that Mike's good at his job. I feel like when he came on, he wasn't sold. No, he wasn't sold about that. So Stephen, our good friend. Our best friend, Our Stephen, best friend. Well, my best friend. Our number friend. one. Your best friend. No, and it's also like, that is politics because it is, he may have even said this, but I feel like I've heard many people say that politics is like when you're campaigning, you're like landing in a, you're in a limo or in a van and then you're going through like a dirty school and then you're eating like a cup of coffee in like a breakfast bar or something. And then you're going in and you're turning on the bright lights in front of a makeshift assembly. And then you're getting back in the car and you're going to the next one and you're traveling through a cold diner and you're getting out in a gravel parking lot. So like there's so much shittiness, but what you have to make sure is when the lights are on and that speech is ready, mm -hmm. That's the show business of it all. So yeah. you have to be good at show business if you're good, unless you're completely like, like Ben doesn't have to be good at show business. No. His job never entails the show business element of it. You know, he's sort of like the Toby on uh, West Wing. Yeah. Toby never worried about show business. He never worried about it. And yeah. like the one time they threw Toby up on the podium. I don't remember. Oh my God. It's actually one of my favorite moments in- Oh, he the, did CJ's job? He did CJ's job for a day and he was awful at it because he was very- No surprise. He was very Toby about it because he got like a little, you know, a little dismissive and he was like doing that thing where he kind of like explained stuff and he was all, he was in the right. Like he was intelligent and well-spoken and he was in the right. He just delivered the, uh, he delivered the information in the absolute wrong way. But there was this one moment where they ask him a pretty inane question and he's like, you know, I don't know. I'm going to have to direct you to the department of whimsy and caprice. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I really, <laughs> it's like, it just stuck with me as one of my favorite moments. It's like this kind of surly guy directing you to the department of whimsy and caprice. Well, that's why I liked, uh, when I liked watching the second mayor Daly's press conferences in Chicago mm -hmm. because mayor Daly, the younger Richard, Richie, Richie, 
The younger, the, the younger. one that was around in the nineties. Did guess. we call him the younger, or did we just call the elder the elder? Mayor Daly, Mayor Daly the elder. His honor was the old his man, and then the, the younger man. one was Richie, I think. Okay. But what I liked about his press conferences when he met the press, or you know, did like a Q and A, somebody would say like, you know, in January, uh, when we got the big snowstorm, the the plows didn't come out until three o'clock, but the storm started at like ten in the morning. He's like, he's like, what are you talking? Like, he's like, no, they didn't. First of all. And so, he's already mad, yeah. and he's right. And I'm like with him. I'm so with him. He's like, and secondly, there's like sixty thousand trucks that have to get gassed, and then they go get salt in them, and then they have to fly in a formation so they don't have to come back around and do one truck loop. Like you don't even yeah. know what you're talking about. Yeah, you think this is easy? Why don't you fucking fill up those trucks with gas? That's you what I loved jaggle. about. I, that's why I loved him. He was just like, you don't know what you, it was. It always started with that. Like whenever somebody asked a question, he was like, what do you? No, that's not it at all. And I love that. Like, if I'm ever in office, I'm just going to, you better be right. You better know what you're talking yeah. about. But that's a great way to go. Or maybe I'll push a candidate out. That's probably better. I'll push a candidate you, out with that attitude. Yes. Just like every press conference, like, what are you talking about? No, no, that's not it at all. Here's the thing. is Like Rahm Emanuel, but nicer. If you want to, you want to be the person Yeah. person pushing a candidate yeah. out because puppet master you want to be a puppet master you don't want to be that's cannon fodder that's just yeah. like a bullet sponge yeah you don't want to be a bullet sponge you want to survive world war one yeah 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 you want to survive world war one in color like that documentary that's that's a very moving was, documentary what, what uh, was it called that was the best joke i've ever heard what was that documentary called What's the Peter Jackson World War One? I? I think it was called uh, uh, "This Too We Remember." We shall remember their names. Yeah, lest we not forget. Um, World uh, War One, Arvin. World War One or Two, whatever. World War. They shall not grow old. They yeah. shall not grow old. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that. Oh my! You've never seen it? No, I've never seen it. I started it, reading the book. You see them the as individuals just by colorizing it. You see those men. As individuals, that's what's mm -hmm. shocking. Like, talk about a preconception that throws you. You get you get pulled into the individuality of each of those men just because they gave them props with their with what it really looked like. Anyways, if you work for LG, hit me up. Um, trying to get a an employee discount on a new TV. Okay, that you just is uh, <laughs> LG a TV company? They, yeah, they, they monitors? make like washer and dryers and stuff too. I think they make phones. Where are they out of? Huh? Where are they out of? Korea? Oh, Arvin, your I boy. Don't have, I don't have the connection. Any family? You gotta get a connect. Any family back there working <laughs> for LG? Did LG ever tell you you gained a little too much weight? <laughs> <laughs> Every time when I turn on the TV, <laughs> it does a little <laughs> chime on startup. Oh, you're looking a little pudgy these days, Arvin. Anyway, here's YouTube TV. <laughs> Korean AI is the scariest AI. Out <laughs> <laughs> it judges you. Korean Siri judges you. Oh, yeah. What do you need, Fatso? <laughs> Siri. Siri directions to a grocery store. Are uh, you are sure, you Fatso? <laughs> Alexa, what year did World War One start? Maybe you should have studied, dipshit. <laughs> Korean Alexa. Jessica St. Clair, the lovely, the talented. So good to see you and hear you. Hi, guys. I'm sorry I'm late. 
I didn't read the instructions and I didn't realize it was going to be on camera. And I looked like I just crawled out from under a pile of dry leaves. You look good. <laughs> you you look, look good. So. I, I was actually going to say you look so put together, so professional. You have a shock mounted right? mic. Yeah. You are killing right? this. You're killing this. Well, it's I was like cursing, not you, Tim, because I, I think you're, uh, I think very highly of you. But while I was frantically applying makeup, I was cursing Walsh. What? Uh -huh. Fuck Walsh. Why would Walsh do this to me? Why would I have to be seen <laughs> by America on a random Thursday? What has he roped me into now? Yeah, fuck Walsh. That's that's like, that's what I get up in the morning, even if I'm not going to interact with Walsh. <laughs> that's one of the first things I say to myself. I'm honored I'm that prominent in your life still. I mean, I haven't seen you in years. <laughs> I feel like I literally probably haven't seen... No, I have seen you. Uh, I've seen you a month or two ago. Let I want to do this right yeah. up front. Is there anything that you want to promote. promote? Is there anything that you want to... What are you up to? Wow, what are you up I, to? Do you up wanna... at the top. Well, See, if you let me promote, then I'll just say that there's technical difficulties and just disappear right after I give my promotion. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, what I... what Yes, what I'd like to promote is I have a podcast of my own, which... Um, uh, Walsh's beautiful and talented wife, Morgan, has been on called The Deep Dive, um, which I host with our other best friend, June Diane Raphael. So please come over and check that out. We um, It's a lot like... What's it about? What do you tend to do? Well, uh, maybe you can tell me, Walsh. Um, we have a lot of our girls' nights at your house. And you're always creeping around, creeping around, trying to get. That's not true. Get your is it ears about? That's not true. Is that's it about little creepers? Is it a podcast about little creepers? It's about creeping around. <laughs> Walsh is always creeping. Ooh, I just gotta get a nil away for sorry. <laughs> just trying to like see if he can like connect emotionally to us. Or I'm trying you know, to, try to seal myself in. away from the elevated volume when like six women uh -huh. take over my living room and start catching up as if they won't see each other ever again. <laughs> That's, That's the true. They always go really late oh to, to like midnight. Oh, and St. Clair usually starts, okay, guys, here we go. And then you'll download okay. something. <laughs> and then they're okay. off to the races. We <laughs> yep. So that's what the deep dive is. Um, and, you know, we do have a lot of secret, uh, secret straight male listeners who are creeping around mm -hmm. their wives. Um, situations trying to learn you know much like jane goodall and the chimps mm -hmm. trying to learn what what our practices are what our customs are how to communicate with us better so um, I, I would probably benefit from i would probably benefit from some listens to the deep dive it's instruct you're saying it's instructional for like uh sort oh, of yes. neurotypical white males oh yeah for sure okay I mean, just for humans for humans human in general beings, okay you know Humans in general. Owen Burke, our dear friend Owen, is a is a big deep diver. He just confessed to me. As is uh, Seth Rogen. It's another secret secret deep diver. Oh, wow. you don't even they need come out of. The... If you got Owen and Seth, you don't need us to promote mm -hmm. this. We should be asking. I don't. I don't need you guys. I want to be very clear. I don't. I'm. <laughs> She's you know what I mean? I... She's stepping down to do this one. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding, guys. I don't know why I'm coming in with such aggressiveness, but you know what? Fixed, well, because Walsh, Dana, Walsh fits Dana. You is why you're coming in with aggressive aggressiveness is because he really he <sighs> hung yeah, you like, out I to dry. I was dry. so excited. This is I a was myth. excited to see you guys, and you know, I just 
And then when I found out there was, you'd have to see me, I was really, really, really pissed at him. Uh, well, um, I've never myself. been, just for the record, this is all fake. I didn't set you up for anything. These technical problems aren't my responsibility. Okay. Mm-hmm. And true. I've never been That's invited true. to the deep dive, but I courteously you thought you should be, yeah, obviously. Uh, I courteously <laughs> thought you should be a part of this show. Uh-huh. So I don't expect any reciprocity from you ever. And you won't get it, and, man. Uh, <laughs> I've jumped into the Womp It Up world a couple times, by the way. You did. Your other you did. podcast. You were in the Playing House and the and Playing House, house. world. I mean, I'm old time right. friend of your whatever concoction you're living in, whether it's a podcast or a TV show. It's so. true. Just watch what you're saying. But you won't be on this. But listen, if you're coming, if we're wanting, like, if we I'm want trying to soften you. I'm trying to soften you with our mutual history, but it's not working. No, if you want crossover, <laughs> like, you're not going to get it, you know, uh, and because if we you're need the for Walsh, deep you're not dive, get it. we need the deep dive bump for our show. <laughs> We you need do. your listeners to discover second in command. We this need, is a pathetic plea. We need like the the Mariana Trenchers. I don't know. I'm just trying to like. I, I'm not good at like creating like nicknames for stands. You know what I mean for like big They're fans deep of the divers. show. They're the deep, deep divers. divers. See the fact that you just made a was that a World War II reference? Well, no, it's just like a big old ocean hole. Yeah, the, it's the like crater. the Mariana Trench. Isn't that like trench. the deepest? Isn't Where the that, tectonic plates right. meet in yeah. the Atlantic Ocean? James Cameron spun down you can google this james cameron spun down in a big like dildo looking thing and went to the bottom of the mariana trench some see a dildo some see a popsicle whatever well you know (laughs) whatever (laughs) and that's exactly the kind of thing we don't talk about on the deep dive (laughs) men trying to drill into the center of something yeah you know no matter what it is like why why do we have to go down there you know we are obviously talking to Jessica St. Clair about the television show Veep. <laughs> yes. Do you remember what kind of cheese you imported as for a living? Pecorino. <laughs> nice. I'm quizzing her about her character. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is, we're really just putting you on the spot. We have no interest in your yeah. insights to the character or the process. We just wanted to see how much you remembered. Uh, and yeah, if you remembered Pecorino. a lot, we'd be like, not really impressed. But if you don't remember anything, we'd like really put it to you and say, oh, good job. So um, process. Yeah. Let's talk about process. Here is a here is a question I have. Yeah. Yeah. As a performer, mm-hmm. was it hard being across the table from Julia, who is somebody like, like you want to be on board with her and you want, I, I always found this uh, on, on my end, like I wanted her to be on board with me, but like your character was repellent to, to her, to, to yes, her in to the her. show. Did you ever want that to be a different way? Or were you just, or did you well, hold back your punches, let's say? So Julia, okay. So th- I think Julia is the only reason I got this job because I met her on that beautiful movie she did with James Gandolfini. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Something's, enough said. Yeah. And, and so anyway, and so we, we immediately, I immediately fell in love with her. Obviously she was, she's everything. She was my idol of among idols, you know, like that's it. Julie Louis-Dreyfus is it right for all female comedians, I would say. And so then when I met her there, we had this crazy conversation where, you know, and I've said this story before where she told me to get off the pill because she was like, when are you going to have a baby? This was like the, the fifth thing out of her mouth. And I, she doesn't know why she said it to me. And I was like, you know, 
I was like, I don't know. I, I feel like my career is not in an acceptable place. She was like, oh my God, you know, like having a baby's the best. You should just do it. Like, just get off the pill. Who cares? And so I, I called my husband on my way home and I was like, I can't believe this. I got to meet my idol, Julie Louis-Dreyfus. She told me I should get off the pill. And he was like, okay, that sounds good. And I was like, wait, what? And then I got pregnant right away. Really? Wow. And so, yes. And then when I showed up in at Veep, I was pregnant, but it was like the worst timing ever because I was doing my own show, playing house, had a pilot. I wasn't supposed to be pregnant in that. Um, I believe, Walsh, you and I had had several glasses of wine. Yeah. The first time. The first time I came down for Veep, I didn't know I was pregnant. And Walsh yes. got me like, drunk there you go like, again this is hyperbole this is you're painting a much worse photo or like, picture of me than yeah, is true like, let's go out like we went to like a, a cheesecake factory home. or something stumbling i'm stumbling home like in the dark streets of baltimore like getting at the risk of being stabbed and meanwhile i did not know i was with child and then and anyway so then when i get to veep i'm like totally pregnant i I feel like I'm going to throw up on Tony through most of the shoot. And I'm like, oh my God, all I want to do is make Julia laugh. That's like to make Julia laugh is, it is just, and then you can retire. Yeah. So I think I was so honestly, I think it's one of those moments where you're so nervous, like you're so kind of keyed up. You don't, you can't even stop to think about what your next move would be because you're just so, you know, you have to, you have no choice but to be in it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it was the best day. I'll never forget the day shooting that, that dinner scene with her. It was really one of, I would say, top five shooting experiences just to, to, to get to watch her and Tony together. And then, you know, to, to, laugh with them like that was it for me you know do you remember any of the rehearsals before you got to get to set or was there not a lot of rehearsal before that there was yes well it was the first time i ever met armando mm -hmm. and yanucci and his process which then of course i i just did avenue five with him and so i got to really be a part of it because i was only a, a guest star in this but we get to these rehearsals that are like play rehearsals like you sit around and you rehearse scenes but you also improvise and it's like you have there you know these creative sessions we would never have in any other american television so it's it, it was truly wild and then so yeah we got to do the scenes a bunch of times and add our own you know lines and if they like them they keep them in the script and if they don't they don't and but it felt so collaborative so then Armando gives you this, you feel like you have ownership over creating your character, which is so crazy. I've never seen a show creator give over that kind of power to the actors. Mm -hmm. And so it was a dream job, really. And so was Avenue 5 for that reason. He he's creates such this, like, such a, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, I hope I'm, I'm not telling you guys that you got to be with him for so long, but it's just a, it's a truly unique creative experience to be with him and to and to watch Julia also like, you know, be uh, bring that kind of collaborative energy. She is so collaborative and she just wants to laugh and she wants everybody. And I think this is very much true of the UCB, too, while it's like you're only as funny as your least funny person on stage. Like she wants that. That sounds negative. It's more like 
she wants everyone to be as funny as they possibly can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so does Armando. So then you get it from, and then you have this cast that's like each one funnier than the next. So you really can't lose. Yeah. And that's hard to get. Like you said, it's hard to get like that sort of generous spirit because some people are insecure and they want to have more laughs or they don't want to be yes not come off well in their perception because somebody else is so much better or whatever. But it's right. it's very rare. I agree. Yeah. How old is your kid now? She's eight now. And so, um, luckily shows no signs of damage from uh, what Walsh tried to do to her so early on in her life. Did you name her Dana? <laughs> that aggressive spirit, I feel like, did did translate, unfortunately, to her. She will, uh, she will put me in an early grave. Have you ever, have I wonder you where ever, she gets you know, it, Jessica. I, I wonder where she gets it. I don't know it. where she gets it. You know, Dana also, like, I, I always play so close to myself. I feel like I don't have much of a range, if any. I'm not a real actor, per se. Mm. So I... Dana was the first character I kind of had a different voice for. Like she had a a lower kind of aggressive voice that I kind of felt like, I, I really feel like Dana is probably like my alter ego. She's even more aggressive than me, which is like really aggressive, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. almost frighteningly so. Mm-hmm. She's a bully. She seems to me to be a bully. Yeah. Kind of. The way she bosses Gary around. And every once in a while, you would think like, oh, well, Dana is like just like a sort of self-assured, you know, in the world of, in in the world of this show where people, uh, where everybody in the show is pretty crazy, you would have these outsiders come in. Like you'd have Dana come in and you're like, oh, well, she's self-assured. She comes from the real world. Like she's not going to do insane stuff. But then you bring a bag of cheese to the East Wing and you're, or to the, to the, a decorative basket of Pecorino choices. And And you're like, give it to the president. He might tweet about it as if that's like, that is an insane thing for a person to think. And that's the last time you see her really. I mean, she, she gets killed by that. That, that is her, that is her fatal flaw is her self, her shameless self-promotion. Similarly, we talked about this earlier. Jonah has a similar affliction. He's good at self-promoting himself, yeah, but yeah, it yeah. serves him well. He's moved, he yes. becomes vice president. So <laughs> I feel like Dana running a cheese company is also served quite well by her self-promotion. It is, but you know, just like I've had to learn personally, you know, I... Dana's not everybody's cup of tea, you know, (laughs) and she's okay. I think she's okay with that. I think, honestly, I think that, you know, Selena was very, very um, threatened by me. She was threatened by me. Mm -hmm. And she, she ultimately is the one, I believe, who, who, if this was the mafia, takes out that, that hit on me. She's she's taking me out in that rowboat. I know? do I do agree with that. Whether subconscious, whether conscious or yep. subconscious, she poisoned Gary against you. I agree with that. Yes, too. 100%. absolutely. Yeah, and I think I could have made and did make Gary very happy. And I, I mean, think, mm, I really think Gary likes to be bossed around. It's yes, like if you are a rescue dog, not to bring up Roger, you know, but if you are a rescue dog that like is very insecure and really needs firm boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, then then that feels good when you have an owner who's in control. And that's exactly why Gary needed me. And so one might argue... But 
that Selena's most selfish move she's ever made is to deprive Gary of true love. But I'll tell you this, he was already getting that at work. He was already getting someone setting harm boundaries and bossing him around and telling him what to do in every given moment. So in a way, that relationship with Dana and Gary she I would say it's not well. <laughs> well, here's here's she the, wasn't fucking him. No, I'll, Gary I'll, never fucks Selena. That's true. I'll, I'll interject there with <laughs> okay. what he was. He was getting all the bossiness, but what he wasn't getting was Dana when she's like, "I stink and love you, Gary." Like I stink. She, she was gonna. She was going to lay down her life for Gary. Yes. Now, yes. Could they have moved past that cheese incident? I think so. But listen, in 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 Washington D.C., it's a very you know, it's a very cutthroat world. You make one mistake and you're out. Have I you ever had to I would tell hope your... that Dana changed in that relationship without knowing too much of their home life. I would hope for Gary's sake that Dana would change and back off that bullying stuff because once Gary had security at home, I think Dana could relax on her controlling nature and find out why does she need to control people all the time. And I feel like Gary needs to explore why he needs people to boss him around more because then... I would define that as an authentically happy relationship. Healthy Otherwise, relationship. yeah. But again, we never got to see it right. come to fruition because Selena was, took she out. She pruned of it. it. She pruned it off the tree. Yep. She cut that bud. Yep. Have you ever yep. told your eight-year-old that the reason they exist is because a comedian yelled at you? Yeah, she knows that. Okay. <laughs> she 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 met Julia in the. Uh, at a, a place we go for lunch. The, and I said, that's that's the woman who got mommy pregnant. <laughs> but I haven't explained... I haven't explained what, how you get pregnant, so it's, she's going to be very confused. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she used to... Julia used to send me these really fucked up texts. like Because when I showed up, it was at the Veep table read. I said hey, bitch, like, I'm pregnant. I hadn't seen her since that shoot. I'm like, I'm pregnant, and it's, like, really bad timing. And she said, great, drop it off at my doorstep. I'll raise it as my own. <laughs> and then she would, you know, she would text me, like, where's my baby? And, like, I'm waiting for my baby. Like, really dark things, you know? And then, of course, now, you know, she's one of my my dearest uh, friends that we've been through so much together. But... But yes, I always say to Julia, like, and not to bring some of the deep dive, you know, um, energy onto this very mm -hmm. patriarchal podcast, but. Well, you um, wouldn't know because you've never listened to it. You're just assuming and true. you're projecting, but go ahead. That's true. I'm projecting. Um, but uh, I really feel like had I not met her at that exact time, I would not have the exact baby I have, you know, child that I have now who's, who's obviously perfect. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like you know, Veep set my life on a, tr on a course for, for that is, that was a good one, you know? Mm -hmm. And just mm -hmm. to get to be with you guys and like, just to see the beginning of what ended up being this like truly magical show that has like brought so much joy to so many people. Like what, a what, that was so really exciting to kind of see it in the beginning stages. Did your work on Veep prep you for the kind of stuff you were doing on Avenue 5 or were the or were the rehearsals and all that different enough that it was like, oh, I thought I knew what I was getting into, but this is all very different. No, it totally did. It totally prepared me. And like Kyle Bornheimer, who plays my husband on Avenue Five, very like funny he's guy. a real he's a real preparer. Like he he's a he's like a nerd. You know, he wants to prepare. He wants to know what he's going to say. He's also like a phenomenally talented improviser, which 
really pisses me off because he didn't take any of the classes, you know, that I had to take <laughs> from Walsh, et cetera, teaching me how to, you know, um, make up things. Um, but he's just as good as all of us, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But he, he, um, I was always like, this is going to be a wild ride. I was like, you're, you, this, you're not going to know. You're, you know, you're not going to know necessarily what is going to happen to our characters. So you're going to have to like totally release all control. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, once you do, then you realize that's the magic because it's almost like you're in like the entire season is, and this is, I don't know how much of your audience knows about improv, but like one long form Herald, mm -hmm. because I don't know, I don't know if, Armando knows what's going to happen at the end of the season. He lets things develop. Like mm -hmm. the actors inform the characters and then he kind of gets, you know, I think as it, he leaves sort of the end a little up in the air so that he can um, let things happen organically. That's, you know, a really, I don't know of anyone else again who like approaches things that way. Well, it's he came, really he came through our show a few weeks ago and he admittedly said, uh, he is lazy. He likes to be a little lazy. He likes to be surprised. And then he also said about your show that it was the first time that he had five scripts completely written because the show <laughs> had to rebuild a burned down stage and then the pandemic hit. So he said it was the first time, I think in a long time, that he had complete scripts written. And he said he quite enjoyed that. <laughs> That's right. Like we all knew what was, again, and as a character, we were like, I know where I'm headed, yeah. you know? But at the same time, I was like, nostalgic I for the process. You got to check in, though. You have to be like, am I still going to be doing this humongous thing that you mentioned once? <laughs> you know, you have to kind of keep checking in to make sure you're going to, you know, work up to. But yeah, like on Avenue Five, and again, this isn't an Avenue Five recap podcast, uh, although you might want to rebrand it. Sure. Um, we episode seven was it? A seven of nine or uh, our entire set burned to the ground like over 24 hours and it was a gigantic spaceship and it was it was bananas and um I thought to myself well it's over we'll all go home we'll be done because I kind of thought if this was an American production there's no way they would continue on no um you know this would have been it and instead he was like he is like this kind of calm in a, in the chaos. He's like this calm leader. He was like, nope. He was like, we're going to be fine. And they rewrote the two, the two final episodes and shot them in an abandoned print factory. And they, they, and they ended up being two of the best episodes, I feel like, of the whole season. So, like, that's the thing is it's really cool. It's not just improv between the characters that's going on. It's improv even with the storylines, which I think is yeah. just very cool. And that it turned into, like you said, two of their best ep uh, episodes. Sometimes those mistakes or tragedies, actually, you're better for them. Yes. Which, and like, did, you guys, ultimately... did you guys have a lot of that on Veep? We never burned anything have... down. We never burned anything down. <laughs> I tried down. to blow some shit up, but I got... Well, I got arrested and then I got bailed out, but that's a whole other podcast. And then also, I always wonder when it comes to tragedy, like the fact that Roger's dead, the fact that Roger the dog is dead, I feel like has made a marked improvement on my life. Like, I feel like ever since that yeah. happened, like everything's well, been aces. Well, now you can come visit. You know, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to have visited. You, you know? definitely yeah. wouldn't want to come when the five or seven ladies were in the living room. You probably, because you would, 
have to like close. You'd have to secret yourself away to get some quiet time. A little no, bit. I'm we like would a, have welcomed you in, Tim. I'm like a fun creeper. I'm like a fun creeper. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I mean, I'm not trying to like put down Walsh, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm a fun creeper and you guys be like, get in here. But Walsh is around here. Yeah, like, well, Tim, it's hard for you to creep because you're the tallest man in the world. <laughs> That's true, too. That's true. That's I'm true remarkably too. spry for my size. Yeah, I'm sure you could cram yourself into tight spots, but it is a little like, where's Waldo? Like, you're not going to not see you in the corner of a room. Well, you sort of diminish your ability for improv, I think, a little bit, St. Clair, because you've been doing it forever. And you also did, isn't your process with Jessica similar, or Jessica, Lennon? Like, when you guys were doing various shows together that ended up on TV, weren't you, like, improvising whole ideas? Well, we... No, no, actually, well, we would break. So we would break the storylines very, very specifically. Mm -hmm. And then we would record ourselves improvising all those scenes. Then the writer takes away that transcript and puts together the scripts. But then the scripts are totally locked before we ever go to shoot. And then, yes, there's some moments here or there that we improvise in the moment, but really not much. It's just that the the scripts have been written out of improv. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it takes forever. And also, but that's really because too, we don't have, we didn't have any money. It wasn't like right. we, we had, we knew we had to shoot, you know, so many pages in a day. Although, I mean, we, you guys shot a lot of pages we in did. a day. Yeah, we did. We did. We did. You really did. <laughs> Which you can only do with a cast, I feel like that good. You know, because you would, because you would have pages thrown at you, right? That you hadn't seen. The yeah, whole... you never memorize. You never memorize your lines. You just kind of look at it and go, "Okay, this will change." No, absolutely. I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it got to the point where I was. I had a really nice person reframe this for me because I always talked about how the fact that I learned bad habits about because I would go to other sets and I would be like, I would not memorize lines until the morning of, and they'd be like, "No, that's not changing. Why don't you know these?" And I was like, oh, I just assumed they all changed. And somebody reframed it for me. They were like, no, you learned good habits for the job you were on. Oh, And I was like, oh, that's a nice positive spin on that. But no, I definitely would go to other sets and I would be like, this is all just going to change, right? And they were like, oh, no, absolutely not. You just say that. That's that's right. And I also, I'm much more comfortable when I don't know what I'm going to say. So I'm, it's harder for me when like, I have a script and I practice it and I practice it. So, but I think definitely after Avenue five, like I, I roll in and I'm like, I'm like halfway through makeup. I'm like, wait, what are my lines? <laughs> and then it's like, then there's terror. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Cause you're mm-hmm. like, why don't I know my lines? So horrible. That's like a bad actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so that, that is something really nice about is that you don't have to do any homework when you're on uh, an Armando Yanucci production. Cause you can't, you can't learn them. <laughs> Before, I mean, we could. This season, we could. So that was a bummer. Yeah. Before we let you go, is there anything yes. that anything else that you want to say about Veep or anything else that you want to air out with Walsh? We just want to give space for both of those. <gasps> or, Dana, like, or Dana. Or Dana. Or Dana. Or Dana. I um, love that. I love your dirty talk moment where you're like, this is Gary. This is like when I told you to talk dirty to me and you're like, oh, I'm inside you. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> oh. <laughs> Also, oh, this is a little detail that not everyone knows, which is that so Lennon was pregnant 
when she did Secretly Pregnant, when she did Arrested Development with Tony. Uh-huh. And they had to do this scene where she was like, she was like teaching Tony how to use his robotic arm. And, you know, when he had that mechanical arm in mm-hmm. that season. And so anyway, there was something about Tony like squirting this toothpaste too hard that made her pass out. <gasps> she woke up. She was having like a low blood sugar. She woke up like in Tony's arms. Right? Oh my gosh. And and like, you know, and like Mitch Hurwitz being like, Lennon, are you okay? Right. So then I get on set for the, there was a scene that took place in a, in my cheese shop. Yeah. Uh-huh. And we were surrounded by gigantic wheels of cheese that I'm sure cost billions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. these are just gigantic, you know, like you would in like a, you know, a real cheese. Was cake. that real cheese? It was real cheese. And I was like, Tony, I am going to throw up on you. I am. I really don't feel well. And he's like, it's okay. I've been here before. Like (laughs) Nobody could know. He's like, your secret is safe with me. So then he would say like, I need to get some air. And then he would take me into the Oval Office where we would sit. And he would like feed me uh, peanut butter and honey sandwiches to keep it from everybody. Because I didn't want anyone to know yet that I was pregnant. Wow. Um, and so I just love the fact that Tony, even in his real life, is a Gary. Yeah. I feel Do you know that, what I mean? Yeah, he's yeah. a caretaker. Yeah, yeah. This, good this came up earlier with like a question uh, about like who uh, among the cast is like a lot like their characters. And without the negatives, I do feel like that that was somebody we went to, somebody who does just is truly concerned with other people's feelings and comfort yes. in a wonderful way. Like he is a caretaker. That does not surprise me at all that he did that. Yeah, like if you're going to secret if you're going to tell one person that you're secretly pregnant, it's going to be Tony. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would like to throw that as a challenge out to everybody in the world. Everybody that's listening, if you are currently secretly pregnant but reach you out need to Tony to Hale. tell someone, find Tony Hale and just tell him DM him. DM him. See him at the grocery store. He would not judge. He would not judge. He, you know, as opposed to Walsh, who's an extremely like black and white, like judgmental person. You know what I mean? Like, you know, that's how things get done. That's how things get done, Jessica. You can't. He's a real taskmaster. Why are we hemming hawing at this when they're shooting guns at us? You know what I mean? Let's make decisions. Let's get things done. 100%. Like sometimes you're in a war. Sometimes you're in a war. You can't please everyone. Earlier, I was asking him where, I was like, hey, do you know if this coffee machine works? And he was yelling like, there are no atheists in a foxhole. And I was like, I don't even know how that applies. Like, he just, he just really fucking goes hard. Everything. Everything is very male, very black and white. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very cis male. Phallic. It's very um, cis male. But (laughs) you get it. You feel it, Tim. And listen, Tim, I'm going to put you on the text chain. For the deep dive. Thank you. Walsh's wife and Mm -hmm. myself and a couple other really lovely ladies. I think you're really going to enjoy uh, um, I our can't next wait. get together. Well, thank you, Jessica. You're, you're the awesome. best. Thank you. You're, thank you're you so much for having me, guys. And um, you, you've made me want to rewatch all of it. Now, the reason for those who are watching the video cast, the reason why Je- Jessica's wearing prison orange is she's, in fact, in a low security prison. Low security. For a white collar crime. Mm-hmm. She was... Once again, being a bully to someone, it was fiduciary. I was being aggressive in the in the um, <laughs> discount aisle of the TJ Maxx. Uh-huh. Guys, I really got to chill out. I need to start, <laughs> you know, just meditating more. I'm sorry I came in so hot. I came in so hot. It's fun. It's good for radio or whatever this is. 
Yeah, keep it hot. They say keep it hot for comedy, I think. So, yeah. anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's, that's definitely, definitely what they say. Yeah. For all the young that's actors definitely. out there, keep it hot for comedy. Keep it hot for comedy. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. See you Thank later. you, Bye. St. Clair. I, I like this. Sue doesn't notice the new hair at all. Yeah, and they uh, want, I love the moment where Tony and, or Julie and Tony want the reaction and they're both just like <laughs> they're like what the I can't, fuck I can't, this is I something can't. that i really have noticed both in this episode and definitely this is going to be again i'm going to be flashing backwards to season four episode one again sue is really coming to her own mm-hmm. at her job she's getting real good at her yeah job. she is laser fucking focused and i and i actually really appreciate that well it also coincides with uh the breakup of Sue and Kent. Yeah. I think she's freed up now. She's not distracted from yeah. her relationship with Kent because she she makes, I don't know, maybe I should ask my mother about that. Yeah. And Kent's like, I don't want to do this right now. This, because he, he gets mad because she interrupts the rehearsal for the debate prep and she makes a mother comment and Kent blows off and I think uh, back it all says like, <laughs> I bet they're going to have makeup sex. The, but that's uh, so funny to me that she makes a mother crack and Kent loses it. He loses it. Sue, I cannot stress to you how uninterruptible this meeting is. Yes. The, uh, uh, I just like that when the higher office calls, she might be the only one that responds in kind. You Meaning when I mean? they become president, she's qualified? Yes. Like, no, she just responds. Like, you know, when the, when, the, when, a, when the bright light, when the, when the lights shone the brightest, Sue was the one that didn't wilt. Steps up. Yeah. Everybody else fucks. You're Everybody right. else fucks up. Sue's good at her job. Sue's good at her job. Sue's, I think Sue's always been, but you're right. She's really coming into her own. And I will say, like, my other observation about this episode. So there are certain, like, milestones in... Uh, a political show. Like, I feel like debate prep, if you're going to do a show about politics, you're always going to have an episode where there's debate prep. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you're doing a sports movie, you're going to have a scene where there's a halftime speech. Like, yes. And so what I love about this, because our show, you know, Armando and the gang, it's always been different. And, and I think I love that he held off to like season three to have a debate prep episode. I know she wasn't necessarily running, but I think I just love that it came late because you have to do this really well. You mm-hmm. have to, because we've all seen debate prep episodes in other political dramas, et cetera. And I just love that like it came late and also that they executed it so well. Yes. So I just want to make that observation. Because other shows, I think by the end of season one or certainly by the end of season two, there would have been a debate prep yes. moment in the whole show, right? Mm-hmm. Great, great discipline, guys. I, I also want to shout out the, uh, uh, just because as it as it is a runner throughout the entire episode, Julia has um, again we're very complimentary of Julia because she's very good at her job yes. as like an actress, as a comedic actress, as uh, as producer, a, as a producer, as a performer. She's yeah. very good at her job. Yeah. The eye twitch thing is one of yeah. those things where you're like, how the fuck did she do that? Yeah. Like, like, and there are so many different versions uh, of it. And this yeah. is like, if you're not watching, Walsh and I are trying to do it and we're failing. Yeah. She has maybe seven different types of eye twitches. And the very first one is, is really subtle. 
and is thrown off in a hair comment about, uh, I think it might even be, uh, I think it might even be the, um, uh, can, can't we give Pierce a dollar and send him off to the movies or something? They're making yeah. <laughs> their, uh, can't, I think it might be in that, but like it's just in a very subtle one and it's not called on, but everybody notices it. And I just want to say like, Julia does a fucking amazing job with that little bit of physical acting. And she provides multiple variations of yes. it as the, the steam uh, and energy of the show get, get I going. I encourage everybody at home that thinks, oh, I could do a fucking eye twitch. Go ahead, try it. Look in the mirror at yourself doing an eye twitch and see if you can make it as natural as what she makes it look like. And it also becomes more exaggerated as the pressure yeah. increases. Like yes. on stage, it's definitely more pronounced. So mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. She really dialed in incredibly well. I just want to uh, point out what's happening. So mm -hmm. the first lady has tried to kill herself, correct? Yes. They're trying to keep that under wraps, right? Nobody knows yes, about nobody it. nobody knows that yet. I think that's an interesting story element I just want to underline for everyone. Uh, I just want to say I loved playing when Selena came in with her bad haircut playing like Mike laughs inappropriately. <laughs> like she's like, what do you think? And Mike thinks she's joking. <laughs> like, why would she do that? Because I actually did that to somebody once. They came in with a full-on toupee. And I like, oh, he's like, what no. do you think? And I thought it was a bit. Like, do you know how like I've I've been with people, my buddy's uncle did this. I haven't been with people, but I know people have done that. They they just get the most outrageous full wig. And then they come to a family party and nobody knows if they're kidding or not. So when he came like out that with that, you, I like that you presented that as like a, you know, like when your buddy comes gets the most outrageous wig that they well, can. Like I, that, I, I have another friend. I have another friend who like had like a blacked out tooth, uh -huh. or no, he wore like really effed up teeth because he he did he did a TV show and then he went to play poker with those teeth in, and they were very pronounced and really mutilated, and nobody knew if it was a bit or if because yeah. some people didn't know him. And so it's kind of that line of like, I know people in the world who will sometimes make bold choices just to see if anybody's going to comment. Yeah. So my point was, I made the dumb mistake, which Mike does to Selena. Somebody had a bold thing on and I'm like, ha. And then I'm like, shit, it was unconscious. I didn't pull it back. And once it was did out there. Did they notice? I think they did. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're, friend we're friendly and it's all good. You know, I it's not judgment. It's just dumb instinct. Yeah. It's like, what? What? Oh, it's out of the bag. Yeah. But I also like that you did a, I also, again, why Mike has survived so long. The, your immediate reaction, like your anger and frustration with Gary isn't yeah. necessarily that it's going to upend the campaign. It's a lot it's of just, work. It's going to be so much work for you. That's when he's at his maddest. It's like, oh my God, you're making my workload so huge. Yes. And I love how, how, angry you get about that because mike isn't angry very often no but you do like i do like that you are like are you fucking kidding me this is gonna require me to do so much work yeah that is fun i think it reminds me of when he was stressed out working in kent's like matrix the numbers of it all i think mm -hmm. those kind of things stress mike out when he's overwhelmed with workload uh, we have a quick uh, reference to the uh, president calling because she's frustrated because the president won't stop calling and she doesn't want to talk to him. Mm -hmm. uh, Catherine sitting in on the debate prep as she continues to try to be mm -hmm. more part of Selena's entourage. She weighs in a couple times. 
Uh, there's a funny bit with Sue about, uh, you know, I'm, ma'am, I'm glad that meeting is over because the rest of your day is a hellscape or something like that yeah. is like a hell. And she's like, can we do anything to make that sound more positive? And she's like, I can add cookie to the end of the sentence for no reason. <laughs> uh, I liked that. Yeah. I always really liked this moment. Because it aligns with uh, Maddox telling Jonah to, like, yeah. I, I'd hate to be a fish in your river, sir. And he's like, shut, shut up. up. <laughs> There's a moment where Jonah comes, comes over in. and is like, sir, may I say you look very presidential? And he just goes, get me some fruit, some mango. <laughs> I almost wanted him to say shut up again there because it is the same sentiment. It is exactly the same sentiment. <laughs> and you're sort of like his... In his entourage, right? You're in his yeah. camp. And I do You're think... You're not his campaign manager? No, 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 no. no. You're just like a... But you know. I, by the end of this episode, like, I am actually, in a way, speaking for the campaign. So I think that Jonah has found a way, like he always does, to get his... Find his any way into the room and just immediately just start talking until you're just further up the ladder. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's like, oh, you need me to get in front of the camera and, and talk about, like, you know, how the campaign feels about his debate then yeah, I'll do that. Like, I'll absolutely do that. Like, he just finds, he, you know, life finds a way. Yeah. Uh, uh, in that, we also, I threw this out there too, is that they're getting their picture taken uh, by Tony, by Gary. Gary is taking their picture and he's mm -hmm. like, everybody say, who's going to be the next president? Yeah. He's like, no. And Jonah brings up, like, I, you know, I have a better camera and Gary's oh. like, don't. I'm wow. trying to keep that bit alive. That. Trying to keep that, that bit alive. The one, the, the one D. I love that bit. I love clinging to that bit. Um, um, Mike's trying to get a friendly review of the haircut, and Gary reminds him that Wendy, his wife, is actually a style mm -hmm. uh, journalist. So he's like, oh, great idea. From that, well, we get into... So after we actually get into the debate, I want to throw this out because I'm pretty sure that this was the last day of season three shooting, and I would like for Chris Addison to correct me on that if I'm wrong. This was, we, we shot most of this episode in order, but the, but the reactions, uh, everything that you see in that one room that kind of looks like a high school gym or a high school auditorium, yeah. everything that was, all those reactions were shot in one day. Yeah. Um, and if you notice, there are only a couple times where the camera faces shows the, the screen, shows the screen because we shot 33 and a quarter pages that day. And the reason that we could do that is because the cameras, if you know, and if you know about like, uh, crossing the line or whatever in, in, uh, uh, as like a DOP, it's like, you don't, you have to like stay on a certain side of the, yeah, you the line. like yeah, the line, like you create a line and then you have to put the cameras on both sides. So anyway, the cameras basically had to be facing out that way. Mm -hmm. And it was generally lit so that we didn't really have to do any extra lighting setups mm -hmm. in between all these takes. Everything was just kind of pre-lit. The cameras were always facing out this way, away from the screen. And that was the only way we were going to make that day. And I think the first thing that happened was... But that day, just so I understand, half of that was on stage, right? Like the whole day wasn't in that room. Like this part you're talking about like the gang having reactions mm -hmm. to the various candidates once the debate's up and running, that's not the 33 pages. The 33 pages is a total of what they shot on stage that day in addition to probably grabbing the last hour of reaction in that room in a rushed way, right? We did not spend 12 hours in that room just shooting that stuff, did we? Walsh, I don't know how to tell you this. 
we shot 33 pages only in that room on that last day. The really? debate, the actual oh, debate, okay. the onstage debate we had already filmed because we were going to be reacting to some of the stuff that they already did. Yeah. And we shot 33 pages in on that day. And wow. Of that 33 pages that we shot that day, they were the most important part of that of that segment of like, you know, and so we are now uh, like a half way into the episode probably yeah you know maybe the yeah. debate starts like at least right around the halfway point yeah maybe okay. a little sooner maybe a little sooner but still we have like we're a we're a 30 minute show maybe a third of the way in they're at third of the place. way in they're, they're at into the place the debate. yeah so you have uh you have 20 minutes of screen time for the actual debate itself and the debate itself is the like the sort of the important thing all those candidates yeah. and we are filming all our reactions to it so we had 33 pages of reactions to something that was the second most important part <laughs> of that 20 So like when segment. Selena and the candidates meet each other, that's happening in that room? No. No, that's a separate that's thing that was shot a day earlier or whatever. Shot, I think, weeks earlier. Okay. Because this was what, episode eight. So we're, we're kicking it all the way back. You know what I mean? Like this, wow. this thing was kicked all the way to the end. So these are all the pieces that obviously, yeah were intercut with the actual debate happening. Yes. Like that you would see Paul Pierce or Paul Pierce. That's a Paul boss. Pierce. That's Paul Pierce. Remember when Paul Pierce in season Owen's four when he came dunked. out of the tunnel? And he dunked? And he <laughs> Who's the guy who plays Owen Pierce? I want to give him a shout out. He's so great. He's such a great actor. And his he feels like to me uh, a handsome cousin of Gary Walsh. There's something I feel like their energies match. And I just want to... Paul Fitzgerald. He was so great. He was wonderful. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, sorry. Uh, 33 pages uh, in that room. 33 pages in that room. And Chris Addison, I so this was the day I kept harassing Chris to film the hung president bit. And he was like, Tim, I cannot stress this enough. We don't have the time to do it. Because the very first thing that happened that day was that, you know how they have like those, those general lighting, like helium balloons, like those giant all-room lighting balloons that, that they send up. The blimps. Blimp, yeah. Yeah, they got the blimps. The blimps set off the fire alarm. Wow, you have such a good memory. And we all had to leave. And wow. Then we, and then they, like, whatever happened, they were like, okay, we figured it out. We all came back in. They sent it up again. It set the fire alarm off again. We all had to go out. So we have a day, our day that involves shooting 33 and a quarter pages had two big interruptions. Had two big interruptions right at the beginning. So wow. we got off the got off on the complete run. That but. must have been like a 16-hour day then. It's I mean, got it was it. insane. It had to have been. It was and where long. were we? Was that University of Maryland somewhere? No. Uh, no. no, we weren't at the University of Maryland. The uh wherever we would shoot for uh you remember where base camp was for first response? Vaguely, yeah. There was like that. There was a college campus that doubled yes. as the University of New Hampshire, and I think that was that's yeah. where all the debate stuff happened. The actual debate, the candidates meeting one another, yeah. and the actual debate. But this other thing, I don't know where that was. Okay, and maybe you know what? I might be wrong about that. So anyway, that's what's happening. That 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 last that last day is thirty three pages of reactions that are reacting to a more important thing. That only takes 20 minutes. Yeah. I like that Mike thinks that marriage is a conflict of interest. Because mm -hmm. Wendy's like, well, I can't do the Thornhill story because 
Thornhill feel because the whole time they're trying to suss out, can we confirm Thornhill had an affair? And then beginning, Catherine's like, is that ethical to out someone? And, and Amy's like, it's politics. You're so dumb or whatever. Yeah. So they get to the moment and Selena wants confirmation. And on the stage, Dan's going, we got it. He fucked her. Amy runs off side stage and gets Selena's attention. And, uh, and she gives, there are some good Amy moments in this episode oh. where he's, where she's like, she does this. She does like this sort of like, yeah. He ma- mouths the words he fucked her and yeah. he gives her like a big fist pump. There's also earlier, you remember when uh, uh, earlier episode where she's like, uh, uh, everybody, nobody likes sex, everybody go home. Like yeah. that moment, there's a moment like when they talk about uh, uh, what are you guys doing? It's like flirting, but it's sexless. Yeah. Uh, there's a, that's says a good that. Amy moment there. Um, oh, I want to throw out the three R's. The three R's were established yeah. in the debate prep, which were. Reaffirm. Oh, reform, reaffirm, and renew. Mm -hmm. Reform, reaffirm, and renew. Uh, We forgot this from earlier when you were mad at at, uh, Tony that you say she looks like Peter Falk. Oh, yeah. That's an old reference. Some of our listeners may not know. Remind me who Peter Falk is. He played Columbo. He was also in The In Laws. I kind of talked myself out of that one. I jamais vu'd Peter Falk. Uh, I heard the joke. I laughed. I thought about. Uh, I thought about the Princess Bride. Yes, he's and the narrator. Then, and yeah. then I was like, "Wait a minute! I have it wrong." So yeah. I kind of jamais vu uh, Peter Falk. Yeah, that is Peter Falk. You're very right. But anyways, this is like the debate episode, so it is familiar territory. But they did it. We all did it very well, I think. And I love one of my favorite moments is Isaiah deciding he had to walk out away from the podium, mm-hmm. but he never quite is not touching it. Yes. And he stays really close to it. And Ben says that's the world's best or worst boy band member. <laughs> yeah. And I think Furlong says he looks like he's left the bathroom, but still thinks he has to shit some more. <laughs> <laughs> like all these like jokes. I love the sort of the Furlong and the Doyle like Muppet show. Yeah. Uh, the guys up in the... Waldorf and the Stadler. Waldor- yeah, Waldorf and Stadler up in the... Yeah. Uh, up in the thing. Like, they basically do that the whole time. Like, they are contributing nothing to the day outside of so making now, fun is of everybody. So now, Furlong majority speaker? Is that kind of what he is? He's a house... He's still in the house. He's a congressman, right? He's congressman. in the house of reps. Okay. I don't know if he's I'm just curious because he is tight with Doyle. Um, anyways. That moment, I remember that being, uh, that is exactly what, like, that's when it starts going wrong for Maddox. And I remember the setup being that, like, nobody really knew that, uh, that what's his name, the baseball guy. Joe Thornhill. Joe Thornhill was going to come out from the lectern. Right. Uh, you know, he just like it, they would just talk about like, you know, I, I remember in the rehearsals, they were like, you know, all these politicians, they try to get like the one thing that they can be remembered for. Mm-hmm. And then they just hit it hard. And Thornhill was going to hit the like going out of the podium. But then Chung decides to do it when uh, when Kevin Dunn mentions like, oh, yeah, this is the part where he talks about pulling the guy out of the burning tank and we all get tortured. Yeah. So then Chung decides to do it. So Isaiah was not planning or, or uh, Maddox wasn't planning on coming out from behind the podium. But right. then he starts and he's like, oh shit, I shouldn't have I've done it. I've committed to this. I've committed <laughs> to it. But then he doesn't want to stray too far away. So he starts waving his hand around behind him. Uh, and that's where it starts all going bad for And Maddox. the other joke I liked, which is Pierce is spilling water when Chung's talking about the tank. And I think Doyle says, we should have brought him to help put the tank fire out. Yeah. It's a very tidy, like, 
spitting all the water everywhere. Yeah. He's like, I wish he'd been there when they should have been there when the tank was on fire. So, anyways, they they drop the affair thing, or Selena starts to tee it up, right? Mm-hmm. And then Thornhill takes it and owns it. And they're watching that in the room. Mm-hmm. And Amy's like, I hate when people are honest in politics. That's a dirty trick or something like yes. that. Yes. There's no more dirty trick than being honest. Yeah. That Amy has some good, like Anna and Amy have like a great, I think Anna and Amy have a really good episode as far as, because I think one of my favorite things about Anna is when she, when she goes dead inside. (laughs) And there's a lot of good Amy dead inside stuff here. Like when she starts hitting Dan hard, like you need to confirm this affair story. Yeah. He's like, yeah, 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 I'm on it, I'm on it. And even Kent, who has no feelings, is like, Amy, like, he, you, you do understand he just had a nervous breakdown. Yes. And she's like, Jesus, Kent, that was like three weeks ago. Yes. Like, that, like that, that is, is so good. uncaring. Yes. And I really like it when, when Anna and when Amy get into that world. Mode, yeah, When they get good. into that sort of uncaring mode, I love it. Well, Kent and I share an opinion about Reed, which is like he doesn't have the facial gravitas to pull off a beard. Yes. Which is weird. I know that like it's a great Kent line for him to say that he doesn't have the facial gravitas, but I'm sorry. Reed walks in at the beginning of this episode looking like a fucking like your 10 fantasy. Out, He's like your fantasy man. 10 out of fucking 10. Yeah. Reed Scott, little salt and pepper, just struts in, yeah. casual, unbelievable. So I, I don't, I think that we are upending our own reality by saying that Reed doesn't have the facial gravitas for a beard where he clearly does. Well, for whatever reason, it doesn't work for me and it works for you. I love Reed. I'm just, I just don't like him with that beard. I uh, think I got in trouble recently uh, because so we were t- I was talking with somebody about a television show that I don't like and that person does like. And... Uh, and I, we were having like, you know, it was like somebody I know from work. We weren't like good friends. And they were like, no, the show's really good. And I was like, you know, what's great about the America is that you can have that absolute wrong opinion. <laughs> and I think they really took like, they actually kind of took offense to me saying that. And so I guess the only reason I'm bringing that up, that the lesson That's like that I, laughing at someone wearing a wig when they're sincere. A little bit. Uh, I, you are entitled to have that absolutely wrong opinion about Reed's facial gravitas. I've, you are. You are. I stopped listening about 30 seconds ago. I want uh, to point I'm out so, that Mike has a dog. I'm the so dog happy gets you're brought here. up here. I'm so happy you're here. Mike has Selena's dog and it's still alive. Oh, that's right. We keep I it was alive in this episode. Holy shit. When that came up, I was like, wait, I actually don't remember. And he shares the anal gland problem with Amy. Amy's like, I don't want to know. I about don't want to know yeah. about this. Yeah. Not Wendy, the dog. The yeah. dog has the anal gland problem. Yes. Uh, a fl- a Flotus is a no goddess. Uh, uh, because you try to give Wendy the the affair story, but then he blows it up. Then Thornhill blows it up by being honest. Yeah. And there's the Ray choosing the hat thing that Gary spills says, in front of Wendy. Spills in front of Wendy. When she's on stage denying that Ray had any influence on her choices. And then when she gets to the three R's, mm-hmm. which I think we're at, and Kent, meanwhile, has been watching those immediate... It's almost like when they test market... Uh, focus group sitcoms, there's like a dial, like, yeah. like, like, no, they do that with debates. Uh-huh. And whenever Thornhill's on, they, the dials go up and people like him. And then when Selena 
who's not good at her job here. No. She's not good at her job no. here. She can't remember the three R's. No. And she's got the blink going on. She's also, like, has done the thing earlier in the episode where she's like, yeah, 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 I got it. I know the three R's. Yeah. I'm a fucking pro. I know what I'm doing. Like, she does it's dismiss set up. Jackson. Yeah. Dismiss Jackson when he when he says that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. He also has like a funny, not funny bit where he's like, three R's, she's solid as a rock, rock, rock. Yeah. <laughs> he has really bad jokes. He could rival Mike for worst sense of humor on the show. For sure. And actually, it's so bad that even Mike starts like rolling when he's like pitching jokes in like way back in the beginning in the debate prep. You can see Mike. You can see Mike being kind of smug. Yeah. Because like, oh, get a load of this guy's bad jokes. You're like, oh, rookie. Read the room. Yeah. <laughs> Read the room, Jackson. But whenever she says repel, the dials go up, which made me think of for shadowing mm -hmm. President Trump race baiting to get voters. Like, the yeah. first thing Trump said is, like, Mexicans are rapists. Yeah, all Mexicans, like, they're not He's sending like us our best. He's, like, speaking to a segment of the population that yeah. wants to hear that. And, and, and so, like, that in our show is a joke, and then, lo and behold, uh, what they were talking about, Armando and the Brits, uh, came became manifest. So, when Armando gave us the greeting, we are responsible for yeah. our show. And since you and I are custodians of the legacy of the show, uh -huh. ergo us, because of this podcast, are responsible for the Trump era. A hundred percent. Yeah. I 100% agree. Yeah. The, Who'd have thought? I was just doing dumb bits. Doyle even says it. He's like, Jesus, did I endorse a Nazi? Well, they said the three R's are racist. What is it? Repel, racist, and racist? Isn't, I think Furlong says, aren't the three R's it comes up. Uh, yeah, no, he does. I can't remember what they are. Yeah. We in, need to repel unwanted immigration. We need to repel criminals and we need to repel obesity. We need to repel torture. But I do, I, what I wanted to say was that I do love that she just starts thinking about things that we need to repel. <laughs> yes. Well, she painted herself into a corner because she chose that word. And now she's like, what do I, what do I want to uh, repel? Well, obesity. And it's like, but we're talking about immigration. And she's yeah. like, we need to repel obesity. And, you know, I just, that is the note that I made of all of that. But um, in, a, in a debate where you're supposed to come off as poised and collected and mm -hmm. have all the answers, Selena doesn't have it. Until she stumbles into this repel thing. There is, the eye twitch and the starts eye twitch. going... Uh, during all of that. And I think some, when she starts talking about the repel, somebody says, like, Jesus, Selena, read the room. And Ben's <laughs> like, he can't because her fucking <laughs> eyes don't work. Yeah. Uh, then we get to Maddox being asked a question. And uh, her eye flutter throws him. Throws him. Because he thinks it's a signal or something. Yes. Yeah. So he's not listening. And it turns out that it's like a, uh, you know, someone... Uh, is good. Their their father's house gets foreclosed on, and then the father passes away. And he's like, you know, uh, I'm very sorry to hear about your mom. He just then he starts talking about holes, and you know, we there are loopholes, and we got to close them up. And you know, we got to <laughs> find out if it's a loophole or a legitimate hole. Uh, and uh, and he just kind of goes fully off the rails. The day before I went to college, I don't know. My mom was like. I was like, oh, by the way, do you know that you have a tick where it looks like you wink at people? <gasps> really? And I was like, no, I didn't. She's like, no, you do it. You do it a lot. You just did it. it was wow. Like, I mean, you like, never knew it. I never knew. And she just decided to wait until like the day. It oh, was probably, God. probably was, I mean, it was probably manifesting itself from stress, like the stress of like going away to college. Wow. But I guess better she tells you 
Yeah, but I don't know how to stop you. it. I never know. This is like between like kind of being deaf and having this eye twitch. I've probably agreed with a bunch of shit I don't agree with by being like, haha, yeah, because I didn't hear it. Right. And I've also probably like winked at people and like made like sort of I probably negated something I've said by being like, I actually like, I, whatever, I, I vote Democrat, wink. You right. know what I mean? And then right. somebody's like, well, this fucking guy, he doesn't, you know? I probably negated some stuff that I've said. And I've also probably like hit on people that I, I've probably done inappropriate shit in the workplace is what I'm saying. Yeah, or somebody might say something really ugly and you're like, gotcha, man. Gotcha, like You're almost yeah. co-signing whatever they said yeah. with a wink. Yeah. You know? Wow, you people don't know how to perceive you because you're no. all over the map with that wink. I'm like, and those, yeah. those, those, like, haha, yeah, yeah, <laughs> those yeah. false, like, understanding moments. So, that in the, the credit roll is basically the spin after the debate is everybody just trying to spin everything their candidates did as great. And we have yeah. Mike with two really good pieces of spin. Well, one really good piece of spin and just a Mike moment. I, really I didn't like. see any of this, so tell me. So, uh, to repel can mean also to push away gently with respect. <laughs> You're trying That's to soften funny. the word repel to come off the sort of Nazi vibe that it's giving off. Yeah. Uh, Furlong uh, has just a great, like, bitchy, sarcastic moment, like, in front of the camera where he's like, uh, yeah, I don't think I really learned anything about uh, uh, anything about the... Uh, the candidates. Uh, I didn't learn anything about Danny Chung. I did learn that uh, he used to be a soldier. Learned that several times. Uh, so he has like this really bitchy, sarcastic thing. And then uh, because you didn't see it, I really there was. I love doing this kind of stuff. That the the last little bit of credit rollout that there's a piece that I was able to do where it's like you know the hole is the hole, and we don't want people falling into the hole because then or on the edge of the hole, because then they'll fall off the map. And, and that was not, from what I remember, that was not scripted. Right. Or it was just like, here's the loose idea. Mm -hmm. And just really, we're just going to roll for a while and just kind of be bad at it. It was fun to just kind of jump out there, try to confidently spin something that you know is bad and just kind of trying to grab onto any rope. And I just remember really enjoying it. Like that stuff was really fun to do. Yeah. And I was, so I was just happy when it made the edit, like when it made it into the show, just because I really enjoyed doing that because you, because there, because we can fuck around with all the scenes with each other because they are not public facing, mm -hmm. but there is only a certain, you have to have a certain level of decorum. If you're in front of a news camera, mm -hmm. you have to be able to cover it and playing the covering it was fun yeah. in a way that we never, that or at least that I never got well, to Jonah's do a lot. Well, Jonah's functioning as a press secretary in that moment. Yes, in, some in that ways. moment He's he spinning is. his candidate's uh, poor performance. And uh, and I also liked a moment that was, I think it was between you and Dan, where Dan says like, well, we should all probably get out of politics. And you're like, can you get, I'll be better when you get away from me. Do you know this moment I'm talking no. about? You guys are watching the screen and Dan's in his like Zen mode mm -hmm. and he says something real. I think it's when Maddox is melting down yeah. and he says something really kind, kindy, like I feel for you, brother. It's not hard. And, and then you say something back, but it's a really nice, like short little scene lit that you and Dan have. And I remember liking that, but I, I didn't I don't know if I wrote well, the exact are, exchange down there. 
I oh that actually brings me to another thing is that there is like a, the Dan arc is sort of paid off with like he comes back in all zen and he essentially is made it, it's like when a heroin addict stand up comedian like goes off the wagon and gets sober and then everybody pushes him back out on the road and then all of a sudden they're a yeah. heroin addict again like they they were like, okay, welcome back. Yeah, you're Zen. And Amy really fucking forces him out. And whatever Zen shit he had, whatever good was done after that breakdown is gone completely because by the end, he's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tank your career, you stinking shit. Like, yeah. he like goes back in on Jonah Hart and like Dan's kind of back. Yeah. But I don't know, I don't necessarily know that that's healthy for Dan. No, it's not. But in the, in the moment where he's kind of, Zen Dan and he's like mellowed out a lot. There was th that's where that scene happened. Is, I think he was okay. he throws you a rope when in the middle of Maddox like melting down or maybe walking around the podium falsely and like really awkwardly uh -huh. he says something legit like oh I feel for you brother we'd be better off if we were both out of politics and you say something like I'd be better I'll off feel if you better got when the, you fuck get the fuck away from yeah. me. Yeah, that scene I really that little exchange I really liked and I also remember at the end much like you. There was a moment where I think Addison and Simon just threw like five minutes of questions at Mike because Mike had yes. to have yes. uh, a spin because he's the press secretary, much like Jonah, who for whatever reason lucked into, <laughs> like he does, like you said, he just keeps introducing himself and lo and behold, he's on camera speaking for the campaign when he's not the campaign manager or the pub press secretary. Uh, Mike is the press secretary and has as scheduled in the script or loosely scripted. Mm -hmm has to say something about Selena's performance. And I just remember them, they, and I, and I like you really looked forward to it because it was one of those things that was like, all right, we'll just roll. And this is something that could end up in the show. And then they threw anything they wanted at me. And I love those moments. It was like the, a short version of that uh, congressional hearing we got to do yes. later. Yeah. And uh, like that, I, I do kind of remember that those were the very end of the day. Yeah. Those were at the very end of the day. Yeah. And they were a lot like those things that we did in the auditions, like in the actual call, like the, yeah. the testing day when it's like, all right, we're just going to sit down. We're going to interview you in character. Like yeah. whether or not all of that stuff works or whether or yeah. not it's all like so good, it's going to make it into the show. It is just good to live in it like that. I think it's it's good and informative to live in it like that. And they were able to pull moments that really work, like you being like repel is yeah. to also to push away gently with respect. Which like, is that's probably a, in the middle of all those questions. Yes. You know what I mean? So you needed the two minutes of questions on either side of that to get that, like really just lifted that one See, little part. See, it is good to be on set. You say it's not good to be on set. You said earlier in this episode, you don't like being on set. Oh yeah, no. It, it is sucks. fun. No, I like being on set, but just being on set for like one afternoon can sometimes be like, oh. But if you have something like this to look forward to, <laughs> where they're interviewing you. You also have one more moment that I want to shout out before we wrap up. Uh, they didn't about ask her about her hair. Thank fucking God. <laughs> I don't I probably didn't see that. You may not have. You were talking to Gary and he's like, uh, you know, she's not going to Wendy's like, I think you had figured it out with Wendy that she's not going to run the Ray story and she's not going to run oh. the, uh, or no, no, it was probably I mean, in the credit roll, right? Generally, generally the press had not asked about the hair and you were like, yeah, they didn't ask about her hair. Thank fucking God. You were getting so mad and Mike's never mad.
All right. That's, uh, you got any walkbacks or double downs? Walkbacks or double downs? Uh, I think we can double down on the uh, variation on the blinking and how hard it is to yes. uh, pull that off in a believable way because mm -hmm. the story, at least Selena's arc, turns on that. It has to be so profound by the end of the episode. It, it needs to start and be sprinkled throughout and track. Uh, and I also love that I'll double down on the fact that, like, this is our debate episode. This is our halftime speech. Like, we had to do this episode. At mm -hmm. some point in a political comedy, you got to do a debate prep episode. Yeah. And I'm so glad they did it, so, or we did it so well. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. I will walk back uh, being, that being on set sucks. I, I do enjoy it. I figured it, yeah. I'll but walk I had to it back it. a little I did, bit. I had to take it at face value. Um, I'll walk it back a little bit. And is that a shameless LG begging for a free TV or are you going to walk that back? No, I'm not walking that back. That's full No, I'm on. not looking for free. I'm just looking for employee discount. Oh my God. Somebody's got to have that. Somebody's got to have that. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of uh, Second in Command of Veep Rewatch. We want to thank Jessica St. Clair for joining us on the pod today. She's so great. Uh, uh, as always, we love hearing your questions. So please submit your questions to castmedia.com forward slash second in command. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts and watch our episodes on Spotify as well as YouTube to get in on some action. And as always, follow, rate, review, and leave five stars. And a reminder that if you subscribe, if you haven't already, and leave a review with the hashtag Veepiversary, V-E-E-P-I-V-E-R-S-A-R-Y, you'll be entered into a big fan giveaway. We'll be raffling off our tuxedos. And uh, Veep Funko dolls that are signed. And the tuxedos have been notarized uh -huh. to prove that we did wear them at an Emmy Week event. Yes. Uh, and also those Funko dolls will be signed by some of our previous guests, including people like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, uh, who was the star of the show. And I just want to say mm -hmm. how funny, because we had our Veepiversary episode that came out, uh, which was 10 years after the first episode aired, and how funny Armando's... Uh, wishes were uh, all the wishes they were really so were. sweet they were, they were also very sweet. sweet but i did armando's was particularly was like... he's so funny <laughs> armando is incredibly funny thank yeah. you arm we love you we'll yeah, see we you next week you. bye thanks for watching second in command of veep rewatch yeah please hit the subscribe button and tune in every tuesday when the new ones drop rewatch the show for exclusive behind the scenes stuff info insight and more episodes coming and thanks for watching yeah, hit that uh, subscribe button. This is the mouse arrow, right? That's what you're representing. It's a kind cursor. Of a, put it. Do a little circle with your finger, and it'll it'll like be bigger, so you can see where it is. Oh, okay. <laughs>